This is Teachers Talk Trash, a podcast by two teachers where we exclusively and unashamedly read and review romance novels. Join us each week as we unpack the literary offerings that some would deem trash, but we know to be some of the greatest works of fiction of our time. Remember, it's not trash, you're trash. Okay, uh, welcome back to another episode of Teachers Talk Trash. Thanks for joining me, Kaz. Thank you for having me. Well, we've had each other, really. Uh, we're actually at yours this time to record. I know. Different locale mm. and different energy in the room. I think mm. we can agree. I agree. We're I agree. Single girl energy <laughs> in the trash apartment. No, not at all. Do you know what? I really love what you've done with the place. Thank you. Yeah. Patch wall. I do. I do. We're looking at a patch wall right now for those listening at home. Yeah. Um, look, things need to be done, but we love it. I feel like I'm, though, the girl at the start of the rom-com, you know? She's still yes. figuring it out. She's getting her life together. Yeah. By the end of the episode, I could be the romantic lead, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of yourself. Yeah. Um, in love with yourself. I also have a new haircut. I think it's important yes. people know about this. Um, how would you describe my hair right now? Um, short, amazing, curly, mm-hmm. blonde. Yeah. Some really nice like adjectives to use. Obviously, we're teachers, really which is the good. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Painting a picture. <laughs> um, it looks amazing. Yeah, you've you. done a real glow up. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I'm wearing overalls. I have blonde hair now. Yeah. I'm a different person. <laughs> We've, we're in the middle of of well actually we're almost at the end of our school holidays Mm -hmm. um for those who might be international listeners hello (laughs) welcome uh no we are at the end of our um two weeks and I don't know about you but the energy is definitely depression I feel at this point those back to school blues are hitting hard yeah (laughs) (laughs) all the work we said we do that's right we're three or four days out from the term going back um and you know Things things will happen in the next few days. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. How much of it will happen will be up to what we feel. That's <laughs> it. That's right. Um All right. Do you want to talk about the trash that we've been watching or listening to or doing Let's this do week? Uh, trash have we been doing? <laughs> well, it is school holiday, so there's been a lot of time for trash. Yeah. More time. Um, should we start with the trash that we've consumed together? Yeah, let's talk about our little getaway. Yeah, well, take it away, Cass. Okay, so we had a little vacay down to our friend's house in uh, Aries Inlet, a little holiday home, Um, and we all sat around and our amazing friend cooked us um, southern food. We had southern fried chicken. So good. um, Incredible. And we sat and we watched Steel Magnolias together. So many emotions. So I think um, Jules was sobbing for a good 20 minutes at the end. Last, like, 25 minutes of the film, I think, was just, like, steady stream. Yeah. Just, like, tears. couple of moments where I had to be like, <laughs> like but I really, like, put it together. Um, do you want to tell people a little bit about Steel Magnolias? So Steel Magnolias is a perfect uh, film for us because it is about female friendships. Oh. And for those who um, have listened to our episodes will know that we love a good female friendship um, trope. And it is just, yeah, it's all about... Um, you know them being there for each other and comforting each other in the highs and the lows and it starts off um, with Julia Roberts character getting married Mm -hmm. and it's just so emotional it's so emotional it's like small town life in America Mm. and like the back, the strength and backbone of women in this community. Yeah. So you've got like Dolly Parton, who's running like the hairdressing salon, and all the women always converge there yeah. and like talk about their lives. Yeah. It like cuts across like quite a few years where you see like the like ups and downs of these women's lives, and the just the strength that women have, I think, is like the prevailing message. Like, I, mean, I guess the movie is called Steel Magnolias. So yeah. I just got it. <laughs> oh my God, it's 
just come to me. It yeah. smells like straw. <laughs> but like steel. It's so good. Sally Field. Sally Field. Can we just have a moment, like a little little golfer's clap for Sally Field? Golfers I mean, <laughs> I'm a huge Sally Field fan oh. from one of my favourite films of all time, um, an intellectually uh, sound Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, what a film. Cinema classic. Cinema classic. That yeah. is a rewatch. We actually talked about this on our little vacay. What films could we rewatch over and over again? And Mrs. Doubtfire is easily one of those oh. that I will laugh at every single time. It's Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Golfers Sally. Robin Williams. <laughs> okay, not every time. <laughs> just every every five minutes in this app, just golfers laugh. Um, such a good film. Yeah. Yeah, childhood classic. Yeah, and Sally Field, there's something about her that you just, I don't know, you connect with. Her yeah. acting is on point what's she doing now i know she was in that that show that i've completely forgotten the name sons at no brothers and sisters sons and daughters sons and daughters i don't know why but sons and daughters just sounds so much creepy it It sounds culty whereas brothers and sisters like oh it's cute it's a cute family show dynamics um she was a few years ago something with doris in the title oh you'd really like it okay so she's like um, this uh, sort of like single lady in her like 50s, 60s and she starts working at this like, I want to say like a publishing company or advertising mm-hmm. firm and she has develops this crush on this like guy in his 20s um, and it. she's just like really quirky and weird and like she ends up being like the most lovable character in the office. Everyone just like wants to go for drinks with her. You'd love it. It so sounds like an absolute banger of a film. I'm just going to actually look up the title just so you yeah. can listen. I mean, we're again, we're really well researched here. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm literally typing Doris. (laughs) I was thinking Doris Day. It's obviously not Doris Day. Hello, my name is Doris. It's the name of the film. It's on Netflix, it looks like. Was it an indie film? It it was. Okay. Yeah, 2015 indie film. The guy is Max Greenfield from Nougat. I love Max Greenfield. He's really good. I call it a Sunday Schmidt. Schmidt. For those who watch New Girl. Yeah, all the listeners at home. Um, (laughs) uh, Really, really good. It's like a Sunday Arvo film where you you make yourself a little cup of tea, Mm. put a little blankie on. and We call that a midday movie back in the day. Do you remember midday midday movies? movies. We brought up another midday movie the other day, Stepmum. What a midday movie. What, what an absolute tearjerker. Another film that I will sob in. Yeah. And another film about female friendship. Yeah. And like the strength of women. Yeah. In the face of like men's weakness most of the time. Oh, I love it. Um, I am going to go slightly different route in terms of my trash this okay, week. Go. Um, I watched a Danish film um, because I'm so cultured. <laughs> I'm so cultured. Um, it was a, it was like, it's like the, in, had been in the top 10 of Netflix Australia and I'm pretty sure the world, everyone's just loving it, but it's called A Beautiful Life um, and it basically is based on a fisherman who is a really good singer and he gets discovered because he's gone to play a gig with his friend that he's only playing the guitar for but the friend doesn't have a very good voice and so he sort of freaks out because everyone starts to walk away and you know almost laugh at him singing so the main guy then takes over and starts singing and he oh. has the most incredible voice That's um a movie trope isn't it of like oh it's like burlesque that scene with Christina yes! is like oh no like the sound's out I guess I'll sing oh, oh. Like, a little bit like art mean girls <laughs> oh god isn't that the dream as well to have that moment oh like, I guess I'll take over what Am I amazing? Am I the best? And someone's <laughs> just discovered me. Yeah, that, that was my dream growing up. Someone oh. would discover um, any talent I had. What would they <laughs> discover? <laughs> yeah, something about me. Um, but this movie 
oh my god, what a dream boat he is. Um, so yeah, Danish, obviously all subtitles. Um, but it quite Hollywoodized. So maybe I was loving it for that reason. It's pretty predictable. You know, he falls in love with um the producer's daughter, and she ends up producing his album anyway, like the daughter does. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, her she's got a real background of her dad was a famous um artist or famous singer, sorry. Um, and you know, worked and worked and worked and worked so she always felt really abandoned by him and then when this guy starts to get famous that starts to happen as well mm-hmm. um but he the guy who plays the the main character his name's Christopher and he's a Danish um I would say a pop star like he's pretty big over there um but it's really cute because now he's being discovered by the rest of the world from this film and he has an incredible voice yeah um and yeah like like love and we listened to like some of his uh songs on the drive back we from did. Aries Inlet and yeah five stars he's very, look it's very poppy it's very I'm not, a, I'm not yeah it is fun I'm not a big like and I'm so sorry if ever anyone's an Ed Sheeran fan like you know turn off right now but I'm I not am. a huge yeah so you're a huge fan shut I <laughs> shut your I don't like I I like it but I wouldn't sit there and listen to a ballad over and over whereas I feel like some of his songs are a little bit like that yeah um but there's some real poppy fun ones and you know what's a guilty pleasure sitting there listening to pop pop is like the music genre that's similar to I think what we talk about with rom-com books it's Mm. like the genre that we're meant to pretend we don't actually like and a genre that like so true we say like oh teenage girls are into pop and that means that like demeans it somehow I feel like there's a lot more conversations happening these days around like the fact that things that young girls and women are into are often like demeaned in the media and like belittled like the growth of Harry Styles and like One Direction and like we're made to feel shit and embarrassed about loving these things but they're actually amazing and they actually serve a purpose. They make people happy and, yeah. like, they bring people together. So, yeah, I uh, love that. I feel like after the two years that we had with COVID and Melbourne, we were the worst. International listeners. It's just Melbourne was trash. <laughs> was absolute trash. And we, but most, most places, you know, and we just need happiness. That's right. We need laughter. We need love. We need Harry Styles. I think we need to do a whole episode on Harry Styles oh is all I'm saying. Um. That's our trash for the week. Yeah, that's a good trash set. Was a good trash set. I feel good school, about it. School holidays, man. You can really <laughs> lean into the trash and just love it. And you really enjoy it. Yeah. Ask us in like two weeks' time. Uh, we will be less trashy. We'll, we'll just be talking about like I just rewatched Parks and Rec and nothing else. Because <laughs> like, I can't do anything. <laughs> Um, should we get on to our book this week? Let's introduce a book. We sort of have mentioned this author a few times, I think, maybe in episode one a little bit, mm. but definitely in discussion with each other. So uh, one of your faves is Tess- Yeah. I love, I look, I, I the, again, this is one that I feel Tessa Bailey um, has really become a lot bigger in the last couple of years in terms of the romance groups. I mean, she's always been quite big, but um, more of that sort of sexualized uh, text, whereas I feel like these are a lot more mainstream, the ones that she's bringing out in the last couple of years, um, and love them. I just, I love her. Yeah. Yeah, I find her really entertaining. Well, tell the tell the people at home, all our listeners, yeah. um, you know who you are because um, <laughs> you're here listening, um, tell them about what, unfortunately, yours is all about. Okay. So 
Natalie has recently moved back to St. Helena, a town in Napa Valley wine region, after a bad financial business deal in New York where she's the scapegoat. Everyone in New York abandons her, including her shitty ex-fiancé. Piece of shit. She finds herself trapped at the family vineyard living with her brother, Julian, and girlfriend, Hayley, which for those who've read the first book of this series um, are the two characters, and we'll get onto them later on. They seem kind of boring. They're boring. They're boring. Mm. Headline. Point. I don't want to. I don't want to trash my gal Bailey, but you're boring. <laughs> yeah, no. The first book is not that great. She's dealing with constant criticism. So Natalie's dealing with constant criticism from her mother, um, and doesn't who doesn't trust her ideas for the family business of the vineyard, and she still sees Natalie as a drunk teenager making the wrong decisions. To get back to New York, she needs to secure the funds for her new business idea of starting some sort of investment fund that Jules and I have no idea what that involves. She's gonna like take people's money and like give them like more money in return um it's what we assume happens that's what we call business they're called a hedge fund yeah oh that's a great word Mm. um so she wants to do that back in new york and therefore um wants her dad to release her trust fund money real world problem real world imagine so relatable yeah i get get my trust my god honestly i think about it all the time um (laughs) issue is though she doesn't talk to her dad at all he's a bastard um so she can't ask him and there's a really strict very patriarchal condition that she must get married for the funds to be released to her. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay, then comes August Kate's beautiful ex-seal Navy man. Beautiful man. Beautiful man, God. Um, He agrees to Natalie's proposal um, because he's also financially struggling and wants to keep the winery afloat. Um, If the fake marriage is believable to all of St. Helena, but in particular to the same man who will allow the trust fund to be released to Natalie, Mm -hmm. then all the bank man, we call him, um, then August can get a bank loan for his winery. So Mm -hmm. all in all, you know, win-win for both of them. That's right. He also wants to like attach himself to her name because she's like well-known in like the wine industry. Yes. Yes. Voss Winery is like it was big. We'll get to the fire that happened in the in the previous book, but you know, there's a lot that goes on in this small town. Um, but yeah, they but they despise each other. They are absolute enemies, and Jules, you know I love an enemies to lovers. Love it. And this is like the biggest one of that. Um, but they've basically got no other choice um to yeah, pair up and have a fake marriage or marriage of convenience to uh try and, you know, get money from both of them or for both of them. Um, but we are obviously made really, we're made privy to the fact that they know each other previously. Mm. They met at a couple, I don't know if it would have been clear to you because you hadn't read the previous No, book. I was going to ask you. So I'm coming in having just read book two. Yeah. Um, so it's referenced in the book for those who haven't read it, um, that they hate each other from the start because there was some incident at a recent like wine festival event where she threw wine in his face for some reason so can you give me the dot point version of what okay so it's real yeah so basically they go to his winery Uh, so julian which is natalie's brother and his um girl at the time Haley and natalie all go to this winery um to like almost like a party an event um and they kiss there's like chemistry between natalie and august um she's a couple of drinks in because at that point she's like numbing her sorrow with alcohol yep. um, because of what's happened in New York. Because she got dumped. She got dumped. Her job. Yep. Yep. Um, and so she, so they kiss. They have a, they've got heaps of chemistry. There's a real back and forth banter. Mm-hmm. Um, but she insults his wine because it is disgusting. Like it must taste like dirt. So she insults <laughs> his wine, which then he then insults her drinking and basically like has a go at her, the fact that she's drunk. So it's really icky and it's like then they, 
basically hate each other. Yeah. Okay. From that from that moment. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Wow. It's a real quick moment and you only see it sort of like three quarters into the book or maybe even the last quarter of the the final the last book. And then we obviously open a couple of months later after that moment in this book. Right. So yeah. In that moment when you're reading it in the first book, are you like immediately interested and like want to see their story more than the one in the first book? Um, look, to be honest, because I wasn't that into the I think it's secretly yours is the first one I wasn't that into it Mm. it was like "Hmm, yeah just another little thing going on in the back I didn't realize that Tessa Bailey had written a follow-up with the sister as the main character so no I wasn't entirely invested but I was like cute yeah we'll get to the fact that the Navy SEAL is always is is not necessarily my go-to either. Mm. Mm. So I was sort of like, cool, you know, yeah. big brute, whatever. I'm not that interested. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So I loved it so much. I was surprised how much I liked it actually. Yeah. It's like there was some tropes in here that I didn't realize I was really into. Yeah. Um, but it's something to be discussed. There's a trope that happens often in like books and movies like this where the guy is a lot more into the girl. Yes. Um, and is super upfront about it. And it often like says things like, you know, like, we are gonna end up together. Like mm. you just have to like agree to that. And the and the woman's like, Oh no, I'm scared. Like, no, I can't do it. I like love reading and watching about that. But then in my own life, I'm like, this would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> Somebody showing absolute interest and being like open about it, like, oh my god, you are a murderer. Run out away, you are exactly. a serial killer. <laughs> Again, is this why I'm single? <laughs> oh, no. Scars, uh, my free therapy. Yeah. We're on the clock. Let's go. <laughs> I'm getting paid for this after. I love it. That's so true, though, because it isn't something that I tend to go to. That real, it almost is borderline possessive in some way. Yeah. But- I agree. I loved it. I mm. I fell in love with August, and we'll get to that in our in our character um, breakdown. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of surface level, loved it. Yeah, I think I think all in all, a really easy read. Yeah, and like paced really well, which we'll, t- mm. which we'll touch on, and a combination of great tropes. So we've got the the trope of him being more into her. Yeah, we've obviously got fake relationship, which yep. is an amazing trope. Yeah, always great. Marriage of convenience. I'm always a little bit. Oh, it does it even work in contemporary romance? Like, yes, it it worked years and years ago, but does it work now? And I usually don't think it does, but for this one, I believed every second of it. Yeah, that's interesting. So it doesn't work in terms of it not being believable. Yes. Like there just are very few problems that need to be solved with marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like no one's going to uh, – I guess there are those whirlwind romances that can like, you know, people can get engaged so quickly, but I don't know whether our generation is so, you know, we have our life planned out or we, or we have certain um, times that we need to do things by and we like yeah. to take it slow. So that for me I don't find as believable these days in contemporary romances, but um I did in this yeah that's really true and I guess like it made sense in this book because they did sort of sort of acknowledge how old school and patriarchal the dad was yes so it made sense on like the brief information we get about him being that he's left the the, the mum um he's like has he just like fucked off overseas and yeah he's, like, he's got he's, a new family or something? yes he's he's an absolute dick yeah um, we we see a lot more of that in secretly yours the first okay. book about julian and him they've got a re- i mean they've all got an estranged relationship with the dad but in particular julian feels like he has to live up to his father's expectations but right. he barely ever hears from him yeah but natalie 
Ali obviously is even further estranged. She wants nothing to do with him. Yeah. So they have a, sorry, they have a um for context. There is in the previous book, um, they talk about, and again, it doesn't happen in the book, but they talk about a flashback where the vineyard has a fire. Yeah. And it affects a lot of the vineyard. And Julian has basically PTSD from that and he saves Natalie in that fire. Um, and so the father after that basically leaves. He doesn't want anything to do with the family. He doesn't want anything to do with the vineyard. It's too hard for him. He, you know, yeah. Right. Basically um, abandons them. Yeah. Okay. And so that sort of makes sense in that the, the whole reason that she's forced into the, not forced, but goes for this marriage mm. of convenience is that she can't have access to her trust fund, like yep. you said, because there is a clause that she has to be married. So I agree in our day and age that makes no sense and doesn't feel real but knowing what we know about the dad and how he's a patriarchal dickhead yeah. you can see him writing a shitty clause like that into something like that yeah. and the fact that he obviously doesn't respect his daughter at all and only interacts with the son like yeah makes sense mm. Yes. It's exactly. So we've got forced prox- proximity as well oh. um, as in terms of a trope. So good. Which, again, I love. Love, love, love. One bed. Oh, <laughs> one bed. I feel like every episode we're going to be like, oh, no, there's just one bed. Oh, love it. It's so good. Yeah, it's just it is like good. Confined location, brushing up against each other. Like, yeah. Oh. Um, and, and a little, like, obviously, enemies to lovers is a massive one of this. Yeah. Um, and your fave. And my fave. Your ultimate fave. It is. I think it's my ultimate fave. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Do you know what? It's because I'm not a huge, and even though we will touch on this, but there is obviously a bit of insta love with this. Mm-hmm. A lot of Tessa Bailey's books do have that. Yeah. Um, but I did felt that the enemies worked better for them to have that real blur between hate and love. So I actually, Very yeah, that, maybe that's why I loved it more, even though it was quite an insta-love. You could tell that yeah. August was instantly in love with her. Yeah, but because they had almost hooked up in the first book, mm. that makes sense then. Yes. Like, it is more believable. Yeah, and there were months in between really that too. So it wasn't like a day, you know. Sometimes I feel like a day insta-love. I'm like, nah, not yeah. about it. Um, even though I fell in love with my husband straight away. Love at first sight. Tell the listeners more about that. Um, look, we met on Kentucky tour. Um, where all love stories start. <laughs> all drunken love stories start. Yes. And yeah, I was instantly attracted to him. Yeah, and I just was. I so I actually I never believed in love at first sight before that. So even though I'm very critical of it in books, I actually think it happened to me. <laughs> well, I know it happened to me. That is disgustingly cute. Gross. We'll cut that out. <laughs> Aww, but we love Jakey. We do love Jakey. Um, so small town is also a little bit of a trope in this as well, which yeah. again, we love, I love. We, we love, love small town life. We don't actually want to move to a small town, but we That's have been love reading about it. My idea of a nightmare is yeah. a small town. <laughs> we were literally talking about this the other day. We're like, oh, could you do it? Could you move to like small town, even like small, like urban centre? No. I'm just like. Fucking no. Like I just want to go out to bars. I want to like go to theater shows. Like I don't I don't want that yet. Yeah. Maybe yeah. when I'm like a lot older. Yeah. And when you marry the ex yeah. Navy SEAL. Maybe when I'm like open to love. Mm, mm. Yeah. We'll um so I think we might get into the spoiler section. Yeah. So if you have not read Unfortunately Yours and you are keen to go ahead and read that, hurry up and read it in a day like we did. That's right. Put this put the time aside. Put the kettle on, get your book out, and just fucking do it. <laughs> do it. Get into it and then come back and have a listen to our um, review. <laughs> All right. So um, I guess we should probably tell our listeners how we um, review 
Yeah, we sort of started in episode one, but I think we sort of just went in hard mm. and didn't really unpack our process in much more detail. Yep. So take it away, Cass. So we are basically going to go through four categories. Um, we're going to talk about plot. We're then going to talk about characters. The um, third one we're going to talk about is the funny. So like, you know, what what are, what are our rating in terms of how funny it is and humour? Um, and then our final one is our favourite, the spicy. The spicy. And this will be the one where I think we're often going to have dis- agreements yes we always tend to disagree yeah. on this <laughs> we come in with some different energies with the spicy yeah what we want and yeah. how it, uh, how it comes about so for each of those categories we are going to um vote it a little mm-hmm. out of five trashies so right. um yeah hopefully i mean look we tend to have different ideas so i'm excited to see what we think about yeah for all of this that's right we love equally but we love different things mm-hmm, yes mm-hmm. um so i guess we should start with the plot that's um I love a dual point of view. Interesting. Mm. I come and go with them. It okay. really depends on, like, the male character for me as to whether or not I want to be in his head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how well, a fe- most of the time, female writers, how well they're writing male point of views. Right. Yeah. Often I feel like the male characters that we read in books like this are kind of fucking dumb. Mm. And it makes me mad yep. that they're so dumb and that we as women continue to love dumb men. <laughs> it worked well for this book for me, though. I enjoyed the back and forth. Yeah. yeah. And it was, like, it was pretty equal and it was, like, paced quite well. Yeah. And I liked the fact that, like, going to his point of view is where we get the insights into how much he's, like, obsessed with her. Yeah. And loves her. Yeah. And then going to her point of view, we get these insights into why she is feeling this doubt about herself. Yeah. So, no, I like the dual point of view. I guess we'll get into it with character in particular because I, I want a good, like, half an hour on August case. But <laughs> I feel that the um, dual point of view for, like you said, you get into his head and the part that I love the most is how much he – like what he specifies about what he loves about her. Yeah. And I know there's always that point in the in the book where she finally um or had they both finally turn around and say, Oh my god, I love that person. And it always happens at a certain usually like the third act. But for August, I love that we were able to see how much he loved her sassiness and her independency and the way that she was just so forthright. And you knew that from his point of view. Like I think in the interactions that he has with her, when it's her point of view, you don't necessarily know that. Mm. So I liked that switch. And I I, I love a dual point of view. Yeah. So I'm different to yeah. you in that way. I actually really like hearing the male point of view. Yeah. And written by a female. <laughs> uh, I really just want to hear what a man's thinking through the voice of a woman. That's, um, that's what I'm looking for. No, um, but I think as well the cute things that we got insight to as we moved along was how perceptive he was about how she was feeling. Mm. Like when she when she was experiencing self-doubt where she was sort of like feeling upset or uncertain, he like could pick up on that really quickly. And I think that's what you want in a partnership. You want yep. somebody who can read you yep. and like – care for you and check in with you when you don't necessarily know what's wrong and you can't necessarily voice it yourself. So, yeah, yeah I think that was, that worked really, really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, in terms of the – so I felt that it skipped parts, and I'll give a little context of this, but I felt that it skipped parts with Natalie and her mum, mm. Corinne, a little bit. I do think um, – Jules and I have spoken about the fact that we usually love the other side characters and we love their relationships and we love when an author can really develop those side characters. Not that I don't think Bailey can do that, Tess Bailey can do that, but there is so much about the the leads. I'm almost a bit – I'm contradicting myself because – 
I do love a book where it is so much about the leads, but I do like to see though that development with the other characters as well. And I felt that there was a little bit. So Corinne basically, um, and I touched on it with the plot summary, but the mother feels that Natalie is still a young, drunk teenager who, you know, used to throw house parties at the winery all the time and was a little bit of a rebel. Or a bit of a legend. <laughs> bit of a fucking legend. That's what we would say. Um, but she, yeah, she finds that she doesn't, Natalie feels that her mum doesn't trust her and doesn't, um, you know, value her opinion like she does with her brother Julian. So I, I, it, it was definitely touched on, but it skipped it. At the end, there was like a real just, oh, yes, and Corinne will allow her to be part of the business and there we go, good time. Yeah, I think we should definitely talk about the ending because I feel like that's where it definitely goes off the rails. Yep. Um, do we want to get there now or do we want to talk more about the lead-up to it? Let's talk about the lead-up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really like the way it started. Yeah. I like the fact that although <laughs> I think we need to moment of silence for the first line of the book. I'm just going to read it to you. <clears throat> Chapter one. For as long as August Cates could remember, his dick had ruined everything. Okay. So this is Tessa Bailey. Shakespeare, Shakespeare of our time. Shakespeare is shaking right now. <laughs> Shakespeare is freaking out. Um, yes. That was, I read that first one. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Where are we at with this book? It's been established. I don't love it when male characters spend a lot of time talking about their dick. Yeah. Like, yeah. we don't want that to be a character in our book. Like, um, so that was a bit of a rocky first sentence. Yeah. But I like the fact that we pick it up at a wine festival her trying his wine for me having not read the first book we immediately understand this dynamic yeah. like she is clearly somebody who everybody respects in the wine industry we get a lot about um the fact that he's you know obviously started this wine company he wants it to do well but he's mm. making shit wine so can we give a little context in terms of why he wants this winery to do yeah. well so he is a ex uh navy seal with big muscles he's a big boy he's a big boy um and he uh loses a friend in like they're both deployed um out and he loses a friend um in battle yeah Would that be how you i think so yeah there's like references to him feeling claustrophobic in like a cave situation yeah so i think they were under attack and yeah sort of yeah and so his best friend um dies and uh august is essentially there not to pick up the pieces but he wants to his friend sam had the dream to open up a winery and he you know he used to make be made fun of by the other um navy seals you know oh wine wine boy or wine man or whatever they were calling him i don't think it's that really really smart insult really witty wine boy want to go make you wine wine boy Also, what is wrong with wine? I know. Like, like I want a Pinot. Yeah. Yeah. We want a Pinot, man. <laughs> Pinot Noir. Let's talk about jobs that are hot. Oh. A winemaker. Fucking oath. I literally swiped on somebody on a dating app the other day who was like, I work at like uh, a vineyard and I know all the best places to drink wine. But then I was Stop. like... Are you going to be a wanker though? It's a fine line. So we'll circle back to that. If they start to talk about, you know, the taste of the grapes and yeah. the the nuttiness and the that's yeah. right. Like I appreciate wine, but I can't. I can give you like three adjectives. Be like, mm, tastes delicious. I taste great. I taste <laughs> this one's sweeter. This one less sweet. Jules and I went on a winery walk. Um, shout out to Matt and Jake who um, we went along with, and we went on an urban wine walk, and it was very much Jules and I trying to pretend we cared about the wine, um, and knowing what was in it but really we just were there to taste and drink a shitload of wine <laughs> fun day <laughs> great day um yeah so basically he starts his winery in uh, memory of his friend but he wants to do well yeah but his wine is shit 
That annoyed me though. Okay. That, the fact he's like, I want to start making wine. I'm going to do no fucking training. Yeah. I'm not going to, I don't know anything about wine. I'm just going to buy a vineyard. Yeah. And refuse anybody's help or expert advice. Yeah. Like, that was fucking dumb. Yeah, like, there's a big there's a big breakdown of the relationship between um, Natalie and August because he won't allow her to help, and she's obviously an expert in this field, um, but he just keeps her out because again he's so stubborn on wanting to be the one that makes the change and wanting to be the one that does everything for this winery. But I agree that frustrated me a lot. I felt I knew it had to be a plot point, but it annoyed me. Yeah, exactly, and it becomes. And it, it does progress us along, though, because that does become a point of tension between them yep. um, in terms of he won't open up in that way. Mm. Anyway, so starts well. Starting is great. Um, we understand the character's motivations. Mm. So obviously he's wanting to make this winery work. She obviously is reeling from having made a bad decision. <laughs> Again, we're entering the danger zone of talking about what her job was. <laughs> Which neither of us understand. Banks and hedge funds. That's right. So she made a bad call on a bad investment. Um, can't tell you anything more than that. Um, as far as we'll go. But the company lost money. Mm. Um, and she was the fall guy. Yeah, and she was working with her fiance at the time, and um, she's fired from the company for this decision. Um, which is particularly trigger- triggering for her because nobody, nobody in her family like trusts her, mm. believes she can be successful. Um, and then her fiance leaves her as well. So we understand going in very quickly, particularly for me who hasn't read the first book. We understand very quickly there motivation they both have yeah they both have separate motivations but there is obviously this underlying tension between them and this sizzling chemistry sizzling sizzling <laughs> um like <laughs> i need a sound effect later yeah. <laughs> um between them so you know that there is this motivation that they are gonna they're going to try and help each other yeah as well as themselves yeah i felt it wasn't i knew they were doing it for selfish reasons but not once did i find either of them selfish no and it's interesting um we might circle back to it with character Mm. but um yeah i tend to not uh necessarily root for a character who's wealthy yeah so um, what does that say about us i know (laughs) Hate men. I hate rich people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess in terms of the little plot points, the 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 parts that I loved were um this the train scenes. So there was a- what is a wine train though? <laughs> no, I'm imagining this is what I had in my head like one of those trains that is like a restaurant train. Yes, that's what I'm imagining. Well, they just serve wine. Maybe, yeah. Okay. I'm sure that they had like Because she really wrote about that like we were meant to know. It's like, oh, we've got the opening of like the new wine train. And everyone's like, oh, we're so excited to get on board the wine train. And we've got a honeymoon suite on the wine train. Okay, let's, yeah, that that was so unbelievable to me. He basically comes in and I loved this. He came in like all guns blazing and he was sort of doing it to embarrass her, but then Mm. he realised. So he comes in and he he proposes to her in front of everybody on this train. And she'd already come up to him previously and said, you know, this needs to happen. I need to have... Uh, essentially I need to be married to get my hedge fund money. Would you do it? Trust fund. Sorry, trust fund money. She works for a hedge fund. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we get it. And she, um, yeah, basically is in desperate need. And so she comes to him and he, does he laugh? He sort of laughs it off almost. Like he's like, um, no, you know, it's yeah. not going to happen. Or he, it, they almost embarrass each other and she's like, you know what, don't worry about it. Then we cut to the the train, the wine train, the wine train, um, and he comes in and yeah proposes to her in the like just funniest yeah, way, yeah, really cute, yeah. And she has to go along with it because in public and the random bank man who's apparently in charge of 
the releasing bank? her the bank and releasing her funds again the we, wine man the we, bank man we understand money and jobs we get it um he's obviously on the wine train because everyone wants to be on board the wine train so it's a real like, performance for him as well the thing i do like though is that her family knows that this is a lie i really really liked that so did i jules yeah so it's not just like a performance for everybody her mum and her brother recognize and she sort of reveals very quickly that this is a sham marriage mm. just to get access to her funds because she's already asked her mum for money to borrow and money she says and no. she's rejected it yeah so um so yeah so the plot overall i think is moving really well yeah like it's paced really well you understand it. you kind of believe them getting into this arrangement very quickly yeah the wine train just going back to the wine train and so there's a back we're not done with that so there's a so the guy who like owns the wine train is like oh there's a honeymoon suite there's a we've just opened up the honeymoon suite and because you're getting engaged or you're you've just gotten engaged let's put you up there so i think it's this massive like velvet red chair that faces the wall but also a window no one else can see but it's only (laughs) it's like the one bed but a chair and only one person and obviously his big muscly legs he's a big boy he's a big boy wine boy um he's he has to sit there but she can only sit on his lap and it's oh so tropey but it i is. ate that shit yeah, up. but love it's loved it. every word jules you always talk about the little like you know touches and the little yeah, glances nice. that was a moment of that 100 percent. they kiss don't they Early on. I think they do. Mm. Yeah, they kiss really early. No, they start making out. Yes. And then the mum walks in and she's like, oh, I feel yeah. like I'm 16 getting walked in on by my mum. That was great. Yeah, but that's when the mum's sort of like cluing what? in. They're like, oh, this is actually kind of real. Yeah. Like, you're feeling it. Yeah, we all see it, but the characters don't. That's <laughs> loving it. But anyway. a dramatic irony. So then they quickly pretty much get married after that. She has to like move into his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of edge closer to sort of the climax where she- – well, there's some weird moments. So, yeah. like, there's a couple of things that felt sort of out of place. Like, right. there's randomly a flood, and he <laughs> save, save people from a river. That was that was like just a one random chapter. So, so con- yeah. So context again. Remember, he's a big man with muscles, and he yeah. used to be in the navy. But he so makes shit wine, shocking wine. Yeah, can't smash a grape to save his life. So he's still human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got flaws. That's right. Um, but he, of course, this was very. Um, for those who've read it, it happened one summer. Mm-hmm. I felt this was the scene about three quarters mm-hmm. in where, um, Brendan Taggart, who's the um the male character or the hero in it. Um, happened one summer he goes away on um his little fishing boat <laughs> these big fishing boats and he gets stuck in a storm mm. and then he comes back and she finally realizes oh my god have me now i love you basically yep. and i felt this was that moment in this book and you know what tessa bailey's giving it to the fans she's giving us what we want i know you're like what the hell was this scene but basically um yeah there's a massive flash flood because we have fires guys in this town it's a really dicey area there's fucking fires there's regular floods like don't put your crops here get better um so then he he saves um a mother of triplets which has been made apparent throughout the text that this mother of triplets absolutely loves him and and is the only person that buys his wine love her let's have a book about her um and he saves her from a flood but she natalie goes with him and she's like no no you will not leave me and then she sits there basically thinking he's going to die and then that's when she's like, oh, my God, I love him. So, again, the moment, you know, we all do that. Yeah. Do you not? Yeah, I, that's quite normal. 
<laughs> you always see the partner, yeah. you know, um, yeah. saving Save a mother of triplets and yeah. you fall in love with him. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, before normal. I was lukewarm, but then I saw you like doing that doggy paddle and I'm like, yeah, fucking oath, yes. <laughs> on board. Take me now. Yeah, you put that life vest on that child. <laughs> Take it in the car. We can't wait till we get home. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Um, What's the big problem then that we get to? Like the classic like fourth fourth chunk of the book where there's a misunderstanding. Mm. So they're lying by omission, both of them, because yes. she finds out that the dad will, um, like a, probably about halfway through, the dad says, I will release the trust fund. And she's yes. basically like, no, fuck you, dad. I hate you anyway. Yes. So she could have got the money, mm-hmm. right? But she continues this fake marriage of convenience because, one, she wants to be with him, and, two, she wants to help him get what he needs, Yes, the, fu- the bank loan yep. for the winery. Um, but he is also lying by omission because he – what happens with him again? Sam's dad, so Sam who passed away, his dad to support the the winery gives him a big investment of like two hundred thousand dollars. We also note that he's the chief navy man. Is that is that's that, what he is? Oh, so Sam's dad what, is what does CO mean? Chief operator? We should have commanding operator? Commanding officer? That I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about what is a hedge fund cat? <laughs> Anyway, we can agree. Um, Sam's dad, big army man, was in charge um, and he comes to check out the winery because he knows that August is doing it for his son as like a legacy thing and he invests in the winery. So now suddenly August doesn't need the bank loan. He doesn't need like the notoriety of being attached to Natalie anymore, but neither of them is willing to admit that. They just keep going. Yeah. So that I would say that is the problem because you know underneath it all they admit that they essentially love each other, Yeah. but then they're lying to each other still about what's going on. And that happens in like the last chapter that they finally admit that, oh, he goes to, let's talk about the fact that he goes 3,000 miles across sea. No, it's not sea. It's just America. From Napa Valley, from California to New York, um, because he misses her. Yeah. Slightly desperate. Yeah. But why does she leave, though? So she gets upset because she, oh, she goes, so she's, like, heard about this, like, this new company that's using drone technology mm. to, like, track vine health or something in vineyards. And she she talks about it with her brother and mum. Yeah. Um, and they decide to, like, get on board with this company and use them. And so she's given them all this information about it and then she rocks up to their house and sees that they're having a meeting with this company without her and they Mm. haven't invited her. And that just, like, triggers her because she's like, once again, no matter what I'm doing, they don't trust me, they don't respect me, they still see me as, like, this fuck-up from when I was younger. So that happens and then that sort of triggers her to be like, and you know what? August isn't letting me in either. He's not letting me help make his wine. He doesn't actually respect me. Mm. And so that sort of like just triggers her. And so she flies back to New York Mm. um, to meet up with like an investor person to potentially um, go back to this idea of starting her investment company. Um, And then August freaks out. And then August freaks out and he flies, yeah, to go and see her. And she, like the comfort that she feels when she sees him is, oh, it's beautiful. But this is where it kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, I agree. So she's been like, we've been led to believe that she is this like um, super successful girl boss sort of person who wanted to start this mysterious hedge fund Mm. investment business. (laughs) Money. She wanted to make people money Mm. and she's really good at it. Mm. Um, But then he comes to meet her in New York um, to say, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Like I want to let you in now. I want to work with you. And she like – without a moment's hesitation, is like, I'm coming back to Napa Valley, I'm leaving this business mm. idea, 
I don't want to do it. I just want to go and make wine with you in Napa Valley. There's probably one like hint of her potentially staying in Napa Valley throughout the whole book, maybe two at yeah. most, but not enough to go, oh, she's genuinely thinking of staying back, but, you know, her old life is calling to her. I agree. I felt that that was really, okay, let's settle for where a man is. Yeah, and that it felt like so abrupt to me mm. and it didn't feel realistic at all. No. Um. So, yeah, I didn't love that. I didn't love the way. And even like the, I like there to be more of a conflict, I think. Yeah. Um. This conflict felt quite minimal. Yeah. Um. I, I, I want somebody to like say something they regret or betray somebody in some way and then ha- I think what I really love, I love when a man has to grovel really hard. <laughs> Jules loves a grovel. I want a man on his knees. Uh, he did grovel though throughout, but maybe not a- enough in your eyes. Yeah, I wanted mm. more of a fuck up um, and I wanted her to some somehow find a mir- miraculous job that she could do back in the Napa Valley that wasn't just working for him in his vineyard. But she also does then start work with her family too. They finally sort of let her in. And yeah. That, that, again, that skips though. That last part was like, that's and right. the mother takes her on and everything is all good. That's right. The mum mm. suddenly is like, oh, no, now I respect you and now I want to work with you mm. and now I totally trust you. Yeah. And I just like, it was a misunderstanding that I didn't invite you to the meeting. That definitely was... Yeah, tied up a little bit too neatly. Yeah, I agree. So in terms of our rating, uh, 3.5 out of 5 trashies for the plot. I also gave it 3.5 trashies. Of course you did. Because um, I thought it was paced really well, started, went straight into it, Mm. good level level of exposition for somebody who hadn't read the first book, Mm. but ending sort of went off the rails. Yeah, agreed with that. All right, let's get on to characters. Let's talk about Natalie first. Okay, I was obsessed with her. I actually really liked her. And I know you've mentioned about the fact that she's rich and that's our own um, issues with money. And we're living in a really shitty time with the interest rate going up. But I loved her. I found her determined. I found her hardworking. I liked how she was slightly jaded from how her family treated her. Yeah. Um, But she was... Like she was, there was a greediness to her that I really liked. I did like that she was able to give as much as she could get from August in terms yes. of their banter. Yes. Um. I I loved her. Yeah. Mm. I also love that she was very clearly smarter than him. Yes. And like, and they both knew it and acknowledged that. We'll get onto that though. I had a little bit of an issue with that. Ooh. Okay. All right. We'll circle back. Um. Yeah, I actually am surprised how much I did like mm. it because, like I said before, anyone who's rich, anyone who's talking about, oh, no, I can't get my trust fund, I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I am not on board. Yeah. But because we did get all that insight into, like, how she was treated growing up um, and the tension and, like, all her sort of the, – the trauma that she's just experienced as well in terms mm. of losing her fiancé, losing her job, um, because we understood her motivation, her need to prove herself – I was more on board. I did have real sympathy for her. And similar to you, I really like that she she was often in control of these bantering situations. And I like the fact that she didn't necessarily let him in immediately. She was yeah. sort of like, yeah. But then that's why she it was, was so feisty. disappointing. She, she was. was. So but then that's why I was so disappointed with how she was like, and my dream's over. Now I make wine. Yeah, like, the end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what? I The more I think about it, the more that annoyed me as well. That yeah. sort of, it didn't taint her character, but it did make it seem like we're just going to go back to the the male world and that's it. Yeah, mm. his dream is more important. I feel like she did love doing the winery stuff though with him. So maybe yeah. there was a sense that that's, that is what she wanted to do. Maybe we just needed to get more of that throughout. Yeah, I think so. Because she definitely does like appreciate the wine industry. She knows a lot about it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it did feel like a bit of a random 
sudden left turn. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All okay, right. should we talk August? about August? Yes. Okay, usually I am not a huge fan of like big muscles um, and especially with that like slim petite woman, Ugh. that that slightly annoyed me and we've spoken about that in previous episodes as well. Yeah. Um, but I think he's my new book, book boyfriend. Wow. Mm. So tell me why. Okay, so I found that, and again, I'm going to say things that I don't usually like in a male character or a hero, he was quite possessive. Yes. But I felt that I, and I wanted to hate it. but for some reason I loved it because I felt that he still loved like the parts that he loved about her was her feistiness yes her sassiness Mm -hmm. her independency that she was outspoken and that she and she pushed back on him and he actually loved that and wanted her more for that it wasn't that it was like a she was playing hard to get you could tell there was some sort of underlying like like that she had for him or Mm. eventually love but I just adored how much he adored her yeah that is what I really felt and I think because of that dual point of view and we spoke about this that gave a little bit more insight into what he felt about her and I just I don't know I felt that there was a softness to his hard exterior (laughs) (laughs) then it was hard when it needed to be hard wasn't it absolutely (laughs) we'll get to that um but no I I just really I really liked August. Yeah. Mm. There's a few issues with how I felt Tessa Bailey wrote about him, but we'll get to that. What did you think of August? I actually really liked him as well. Mm. And I was surprised because totally agree, not my general book boy. We're both into nerds, not yeah, just my husband. We are. Yeah. Shout out Jake. Um, yeah, we like a softer man. We yeah. like a more of a like a witty, mm. um, more of a dorky, like has like some geeky interests sort of man. Yeah. Um, a bit of a like a bit of a Seth Cohen if he was less toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, I feel like in a way that maybe some of the other books we've read, this sort of towed the line between being possessive, being jealous at times, but still not necessarily falling into toxic masculinity. Yes, I agree. Because yeah. you discussed that. I mean, in one of the books we um, we look at in our podcast is, um, again, we're going to forget the word, things we never got over. Yeah. Lucy scores. Lucy scores, yeah. We still don't know why it's called that. No. um, And we felt that the male character in that is very possessive and very – and look, some people are into that. Some people love that real jealous streak type thing. And, yes, there is a little bit of jealousy in August, but the way he reacts to it, he doesn't push – I mean, there is that scene for context. There's a scene where they've literally just um, had sex and he, finally, and he um, sees that she'd been looking at her ex-boyfriend mm. on Facebook with, a, and it was a new engagement post that he had just got recently got engaged to someone else and she'd had it open on her laptop and he sees that and he freaks out a little bit. But it was just handled well. It I felt was. Like that's what would happen. Yeah, and it's like a, just a short moment and he immediately owns up to it. He's like, oh, sorry, like I took that the wrong way and I'm being silly. <laughs> like so yeah and he comes back he doesn't leave he comes back and he says sorry and And like you said like the things he loves about her are the fact that she is so smart and Mm. so successful um so that's what sort of he doesn't want to be her protector he just falls into that role at times when he feels threatened yeah which i think is they feel more equal Mm. yeah uh Mm -hmm. in a way that we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I do find though, and I had a couple of issues with how um, he was described to be dumb so much. Yeah. I didn't yeah. feel, I felt that he's, uh-huh. I thought that he was intelligent, but I didn't like the way that like, okay, so there were a couple of words like the big lug, brute, bonehead are some of the words that are used to describe him but also like there's lines like um poor man brain working overtime or he used all his brain power or and this is one that really shit me he made her want to walk into his stupid muscular arms and whack him in the head with an encyclopedia i didn't (laughs) 
Maybe it's because like the way that Tessa Bailey wrote the character, he was he just seemed like he had so much more depth than that. So I didn't like that it went back to him being a bonehead. Yeah. And most of these descriptions when it's his point of view or when it's her point of view. Her point of view, which sorta of would make sense. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. It'd be it would sort of soften the blow a bit if it was him talking about himself. Yeah. That's how he feels around her because yeah. she's so smart. But then, yeah. Is it is it that whole idea of, like, trying to really build up that, the fact that she loathes him, so that's how yeah. she sees it. But it's, it, that last line about the encyclopedia happens, like, three quarters into it. She's already in love with him by this point. Ooh. I felt icky about that. Yeah, that is a bit icky. Mm. Yeah, okay. Mm. Less liking that. Um, so in, in terms of... Um, trashies. Trashies. How many trashies did you give for characters? I actually gave it a four. Oh my we, are, gosh. we are on it this we time. We are in sync like the 90s boy bands. <laughs> what a band. What a band. Bye, bye, bye. Should we get on to funny? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Look, I didn't write a lot about funny in terms of my notes um but because I just I actually found it funny I found it yeah so you might be different here I the reason I didn't write enough or a lot is because I just found their banter and chemistry so funny and that's sort of how I left it and you'll think maybe it's not that intelligent in terms of the the wittiness but I was still into it okay so uh tell me tell me your trashy rating before I get into I actually gave it a four out of five Tessa Bailey, I'm just a fan of her. Okay, go. How did you feel? I gave it two. Talk to me. All right. Um, I agree. The banter was there. Mm. There's moments where it's like really good. I like how they sort of like hang shit on each other. Mm. Um, but the the section I think that like really turned me off is when they she started doing those like high school pranks on him. Like, what did she do? She like um. Oh yeah. I kind of think she like set something up in the house. That's right. And there's um yeah it was oh, very like he um eats an Oreo and she's put toothpaste in the middle of it instead of like I think I'd cream. repress that part. Yeah, I it was about really that. cringe. And then he sets like up like a um a bucket of water so it tips over her head. It just felt like so high school and really mm. like dumb yeah yeah and like, i think that really turned me off comedy yeah. we're not too into yeah like i think point. that scene that montage wasn't in it i would have rated it as three but that just like i was like this is gross and i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point you've made you've made me remember that yeah so that was that was just really cringe so for me it's a two okay sorry tessa bailey no sorry, i look i sorry tess tess um yeah no four out of five for me i i found it hilarious interesting mm. okay all right. Um, all right. Let's get on to the spicy. The spicy was spicy. Woo! This is the spiciest book we've read. I yeah, so agreed. far. Yeah, yeah, agreed. From um, I gave it a four point five out of five trashies for the spice. Ooh. What did you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, it was obviously incredibly spicy. So yeah. really sexy moments yeah. and like sexy moments that I really enjoy. Like yeah. I love the idea of like the I need you now, like in the car. I can't even wait till we get yeah. home. I love all like the little touching and like the forced proximity and like. So, so many great they spicy can, moments. They cannot keep their hands off each other once yes. they, like, at that point where. But I think the enemies to lovers also makes that more attractive. 100%. Yep. But there's also something that's really sexy about a guy who's like, you know what, I want to take care of your needs. Totally. Yeah. Yes. That is, like, so attractive. Yeah. The problem for me as to why it's a 4 and not a 4.5 or a 5 mm. is that it's, and it's a classic rom-com book thing, the dialogue when we're in those seats. I cannot. I literally wrote the diet. The dirty talk was oh, the most cringe thing I've ever experienced. So bad. So bad. And it almost 
ruins a character for me. Like it almost gets to that point where I go, yeah, ill, no. Takes, it takes you out of the moment. Yeah. Like So like I'd be like well on board. I'm like, yes, yes. Yep, loving it, it. Loving it. Yes, yes. And then he'll like say something like, my dick needs you now. <laughs> or like open up that pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is some such cringe moments oh. that like – and not even made me blush in a good way. Made no. me blush like I was like, stop it. Yeah. I'm sickened by your behavior. Yeah, yucky. And if that, if I was Natalie, I'm out. Yeah. Honestly, you, like... you thought the moments of childish behavior of the pranks, yeah. I felt the, yeah, the dirty talk 100%. was so cringe. That's like the legs are closed immediately as soon as somebody <laughs> says something like that. It's like, oh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, someone's calling me. Yeah, I need to like, leave. Oh, i got to go. <laughs> something to do with my hedge fund. <laughs> Ring ding. Yeah. There is our New York calling. It's the bank on the phone. It's about money. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta make my wine. That's um. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was. I was not into that. But Tessa Bailey is known to be the. What do they say? Michelangelo of. <laughs> Michelangelo. No, not that. I'm loving it. Like the idea that she's Michelangelo of dirty talk. Yeah. There is like literally a. Is it on this one? No. There's there's a quote on a lot of her books that is talks about that. So, um. Yeah, she's known to be dirty talk. And I think a lot of her earlier books, and again, I haven't read a lot of her earlier, earlier ones, but um, her not so mainstream romance novels were very much full of that dirty talk. So yeah. she's keeping it. She's keeping it in her book. She's not going to shy away from she it. Loves. She does. And she is. And a little bit like of just Tessa Bailey's sort of like fangirling. I just, I find that. She's so. She, I look at her reels, her Instagram reels, because I'm a um, 30 year old loser and doesn't have TikTok. So I don't look at TikTok, but I look at her reels. So, which probably five, like, so five years after it's posted on TikTok, you find it on Insta. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I just find that she's always thinking, and she always posts things about. She's always thinking about what the fans want, which I love. Like she's always coming. Hmm. She'll she'll you know do a story about. Um, some some idea that she's had about some you know like big hockey man and 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 so I I love that she wants to give the readers what they want and I do find that obviously a lot of her readers are into that cringe dirty talk yeah totally if that's your preference love that but it just wasn't for me it's not for us but mm. yeah I, I agree I do like that she's writing for her audience yeah on Tessa Bailey though let's yeah. Um, I'd like to introduce like a new segment of our podcast where I just like do a deep dive on the writer. Yeah. Um, and by deep dive, I mean, I did five minutes of research. So, um, I went to Tessa Bailey's website and I was stopped in my tracks, um, by, I just want to show you her logo. Oh! Yeah, she's used paint really well there. Um, so it's some golden glitter hearts with her name, Tessa Bailey. Underneath is heat, laughter, and happily ever after. Is that a live, laugh, love? That is a pitch, like a, a word text print that hangs in your mum's kitchen. <laughs> that is like, I was like, ooh, that stopped me in my tracks. But again, she knows what her fans want. I'm also just realising it kind of rhymes, heat, laughter, and happily ever after. Ooh, I that's see. I didn't give her credit for that. How dare you? Good writing test. Mm. Um, but question for you, what would be your tagline for your ultimate rom-com book? Oh, for my ultimate rom-com book or uh, myself as an author, if I was to write Ooh. a rom-com book. Which one would you like to Oh, I don't from? know. Um, let's say, we'll see the thing is it's got to be something about enemies to love. Yeah, I agree. I love that, that. Has to be in yours. Yeah. It's one of the three words. Yeah, absolutely. So yours might be hate instead of love. Yeah. Okay, so hate. Um, uh I do love a workplace romance. Ooh, okay. Mm. So hedge fund? Yeah. Is that one of your What words? about um hate? 
Hot jobs. Ooh. What jobs are hot? Yeah. yeah. Now you have to do H for the last words. Yeah. Um, and heat. Ooh, that's really I feel good. like a little bit of heat there. So hate, hot jobs, and heat. Mm. No, hate. Yeah, yeah. No, that was right. Wow. Yeah, what's yours? I really appreciate the alliteration. Yeah, thank um, you. As always, I ask these questions. I have not thought about my answer at all. <laughs> This is my go-to. We've yeah. discussed this. Um, it's going to be well documented that Julia has drunk phases that she goes through. Um, and one of my drunk phases is asking just big questions. Uh, um, and I always ask the questions and people turn it back on me like, I don't know. Yeah, what do you mean? This, I just thought about this answer. Answer my question. Um, okay. If you can only watch one movie for the rest of your life, what, what is it? Gun to your head. Um, all right, no. So mine, well, we know I like a slow burn. We yeah. know I like friendship. Yeah. So... And we know I like witty banter. Yeah. So witty. Mm. Friendship. Friend, witty friendship. Um, nice. <laughs> so basic and vanilla. I love it. Um, witty. Um, slow burn. So I slow think burn. slow burn should be so there. So witty, slow burn, and holiday. Oh, I'm I like holiday. Yeah. You like a workplace. I want something like going a on holiday. I'm not against a vacay. No. I'm pretty open to it. But, no, I think, yeah, good. Yeah. I All like right. that. I think it's time to look at some reviews. I've got some great ones okay. today. All right. So I'm going to start us off with a one-star review from Maddie on Goodreads. Okay. I hated this book from the first sentence and would give it zero stars if I could. Disappointed that the cute cat on the cover was barely in it. One star. She's wanting a cat romance. Not enough cats for Maddie. And that's a hot take from her. Also, it almost was you because you hated the start of this text. It's true. You hated the first line. And I don't like cats. Mm. Now's the time to say, I am actually Maddie. <laughs> no, you. she wanted more cats. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, no, that's where you differ. Didn't actually read a review. <laughs> um, but let's change the energy from Nirvana, five stars, I would die for August. That's me. Full stop. That's yeah. it. Five stars. Yeah, I <laughs> But yeah, she's straight to the point. Yeah, she was obsessed. The energy that that's taken her to write, you know, is as much energy as yeah, yeah. Ray also had a similar take. August Dick is a paid actor in this book. Nothing else. Three stars. <laughs> Where's those two stars though? I don't know. I think it's a five out of five, Dick. To be yeah. honest, yeah, mm. it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially when August talks about his own dick. That's talks about it too much. Yeah, too stop much. talking about your dick. Yeah. Um. Have you got some more? Can I throw no, some more? Kid, at you? No, you go. All right. Um. So Talia, why do Tessa Bailey's heroes always come like a motherfucker? Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Three stars. <laughs> His quote is like a motherfucker in quotations. It is beautiful. Three stars though. Yeah. So that's all it says. Why do Tessa Bailey's heroes always come like a motherfucker? What does that even mean? Three stars. <laughs> They don't understand the rating system. No, they I'm don't understand. Um, last one, Solomia. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. Three stars. Ooh, again. <laughs> learn to write a review, <laughs> learn to rate. So if you didn't like it, don't give it three, babe. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least a one or a two. Um, I'm obsessed with those. Um, so good. Should we get to our casting? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... For my August, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop thinking, and I've written changing Tatum, but I mean 
Channing Tatum. Ooh, that is not a think great that? pick. Oh, that's all I could think oh. of. Was I was Channing. feeling really confident with my casting. No, you, you're really good at casting. No. We've said it. You should be casting films. Should be my job. This yeah. should be your yeah. job. How do we get into it? Um, yeah. so Channing Tatum, or again, and this is probably because. We had only just spoken about things we never got over, uh, which I definitely think is the second one. I've got forgotten the word again. Um, Charlie Hunnam, or if it's mm. not Channing Tatum, but I'm really into Channing Tatum. But Channing like Tatum's maybe step up, Ooh. not now. Even though he's meant to be like 30s, sorry, it's just a bug in front of the microphone there. Um, I would say like yeah, step up maybe like magic, maybe Magic Mike a little magic bit older. Magic Mike Channing, yeah, oh, such a great pick. Yeah, what's your mine? Little? Mine's feeling a little bit too like good boy neat mm. now. Scott Eastwood. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, he was in that like Nicholas Sparks movie, like The Longest Ride. Yes, which I is see him as like a military man. Um, it is Clint Eastwood's son, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can yeah, say just very like, good choice. And just sort of like buff and like I see him sort of doing the back and forth with yes. his car. And, yeah, yeah, just that's what I saw. No, I love that, Jules. Yeah. That's good. Should that's I also good. cast movies? Yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, let's change careers. Let's open a production company <laughs> where we just cast movies. <laughs> that's it. Book movies. Yeah. And they never get made. Exactly. Um, what about Natalie? I was really happy with mine. Okay. Alexandra Daddario. Oh, see, I had I thought about her. It's a good one. I think it's good in that I see her living in New York, corporate mm. lifestyle. She also gives me really similar energy from her character in season one of White Lotus, where she's a bit uncertain about herself. Okay. Like, um, But then I believe her falling in love with somebody like Scott Eastwood and like being a bit vulnerable and having that self-doubt. Yeah. Um, I just see it. Yeah. And I think sassy. we can all agree I nailed it. Yeah, I think you did. I don't yeah. even want to say mine because I'm embarrassed by mine because I think mine is probably maybe a too good girl, mm. but I'm hoping that she's got a little bit of – Depth in her acting career. I said Daisy Edgar Jones. Oh, yeah, from the Four Dads and all. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. But mainly because that's the visual I'm imagining. I'm not really not so much about like the characters that she plays. Yeah, I just picture her being too softly spoken. That's that's the problem. I think yeah. unless she's unless she's got something in her, maybe like a Florence Pugh, but like dark hair. I don't know. Maybe she's a bit too small. Mm. Yeah, she's yeah. too little. I think you've nailed it. I think I did. I think we don't need mine. To I be agree. We'll just cut that out later, guys. Um, we'll just cut straight to like you nailed it, Jules. Well done. You've done it again. You've done it again. Thanks for joining us for another episode, guys. Um, hopefully you return for some more reviews on some fabulous trash. We've got some really good ones coming up. Yep. We're doing kind of a few throwbacks coming up. Um, so tune in. Yep. Um, and get ready for us to be more depressed next episode when school returns. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Wow.